We've been talking about the same friggin' shadow beliefs for 10 years. <laughs> the only way to get unstuck is to actually uncover these beliefs. Welcome to the Empower, Create, Encourage podcast. I'm your host, Alessandra Guerra. Thank you for joining us today. Our special guest today is life coach Nancy Pickard. Today we talked about shadow beliefs and unconscious commitments. If you don't know what that means, then I'm glad you're here. Turn up the volume. I'm excited to share this experience with you. Bienvenida, Nancy. I'm so excited for our topic today. I'm so fascinated about the subject of uncovering our shadow beliefs and our unconscious commitments. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, you're welcome. And it's really my favorite conversation. I think it's the cornerstone of how people change their lives because most people don't even know they have them. They're not aware of it. So let's talk about it. Yes, let's talk about it. <laughs> I think you hit it right on the head. A lot of people aren't even aware that they have disempowering beliefs. And so I put it out on social media and we got some questions that rolled in. I want to start with how can you uncover your disempowering beliefs? Or in other words, how do you know if you have disempowering beliefs? Here's the thing. If you are a self-sabotager or you feel stuck, Life is not exactly how you want it. There's something you keep saying you want, but you're not getting it. You can be sure that there's a belief that's underneath all of that that's keeping you from getting what you want. It's keeping you playing small. If your life is going along and everything you want you're getting and everything you're going after is working out and you're feeling really on top of your game and amazing you probably don't have disempowering beliefs that are keeping you stuck. But most people don't really have that. And most people actually are stuck or there's an area in their life where they are just not getting what they say they want. You know, you can finish this sentence. I say I want X, but what I'm experiencing is Y. And if the Y is, doesn't equal the X, <laughs> then you've got two things. You've got disempowering beliefs and you have unconscious commitments. And an unconscious commitment is the promise that you make to yourself because of the belief. So for example, I used to have the belief that I'm not safe alone. And that belief came, I didn't know it for almost 45 years, but when I was five years old, I was playing with a lighter that was on our coffee table and I put my little party dress on fire and I went up in flames. I was burnt all over, but they were first and second degree burns. So in terms of the history of my life, I didn't really think the fire meant anything. I didn't get punished because my parents were so happy I was alive and I don't have any lasting scars. But when I was 50 years old and I got into a car accident, again, I almost died, but I wasn't really hurt. I was just really shaken up. I was doing the work with a, with a coach at the time and uncovered this belief that this little girl had that she wasn't safe alone. That was my belief. The unconscious commitment that I made to myself, the promise that I made to myself was that I would never be alone. So I was always the best girlfriend and the best female to female friend. I worked really hard at being somebody that people wanted to be around without ever knowing why. 
These beliefs are really formed to keep us safe as children. A five-year-old girl who puts herself on fire, that's a great belief for her to have. She's not safe alone, obviously, because she put herself on fire. But as an adult who's now 50 years old and just got divorced after 26 years and was miserable because I didn't know that this little girl was still inside me flipping out that she was, oh my God, I'm not safe alone. Once I uncovered it, I could give myself a new empowering belief that actually was in alignment with my situation now so that I could be safe alone and know I was safe alone and be happy alone and not feel this unbelievable need that I had felt for five years that I had to fix that picture. Okay, so these beliefs protected us at one point, they kept us safe, but if they're no longer serving us anymore, how do we shift them? Well, here's the interesting thing. When you uncover a belief that's in your subconscious and you bring it to your conscious level, now you get to look at it. And now you get to say, oh, wow, God, that makes so much sense. I can look back at my life and see in how many ways that belief served me, but I also can see how many ways that belief stopped serving me and started to cost me. And once you see that, and it's in your conscious mind, you can recreate a new empowering belief to replace that old outdated one. And then you have affirmations and you do some work, maybe you do etching or tapping, you do something to start to change the neural pathway so that it will now imprint the new belief. I am safe alone. I am worthy. I am lovable. Any of those beliefs, because shadow beliefs or disempowering beliefs, they sound like I'm not safe alone. I'm unlovable. I need to please everyone to be loved. I need to be perfect to be safe. I need to control everything to be safe. I need to stay quiet so no one will know because you think you're not smart enough or you're broken. My needs don't matter. My voice doesn't matter. My needs will never be met. I'm not good with money. People who are religious don't care about money. All kinds, there's so many beliefs that are disempowering, that are formed from our childhood that we're not aware of. And it's incredible, but it's really what keeps us playing small. So you have to learn how to uncover them. I really like how you're clarifying that, yes, we did need those disempowering beliefs at one point in time. And it's not just a general statement of, no, that's a bad belief to have. Instead, it's like, yes, I very much needed to have that belief as a five-year-old, but I don't need it as an adult. That resonates so well with me because it shows acceptance and love. And it's coming from a non-judgmental space. I've noticed when I observe myself with acceptance and love, I'm more capable of creating change compared to when I do it from a place of judgment. Yes, those beliefs are formed to keep us safe. I can remember when I was taking my kids back and forth to nursery school. And like, if you got stuck in traffic and you were five minutes late, you would be flipping out, you know, you'd be panicked as a mother. But the reality is that little child who gets left for five or 10 minutes, they can make a belief in an instant. My needs don't matter. I'm not safe. I'm unlovable. As a parent, it doesn't make sense that they're actually making that belief, but they're making it in their subconscious. They're not really aware of it themselves, but it happens. So as a parent, you can't really stop your children from having shadow beliefs, but 
the more you know about it, the better chance you do have of talking through situations so that they don't end up with disempowering beliefs. It's just human nature. We all get them and they're there to to keep us safe. And they do until they don't. You've been using the term shadow beliefs. That's a very interesting term. Is it the same as disempowering beliefs or what does that mean exactly? Yeah, a shadow belief is a Jungian term and it's the beliefs that are in the shadows. They're in your subconscious. And so not everybody knows what a shadow belief is. So in having these conversations, a lot of times we switch to disempowering beliefs because everybody basically can understand what those are. So it's beliefs in our subconscious that we're not even aware of yet. They're in the shadows of our mind. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) Back to your... Back to your example of being a young girl and thinking I'm not safe alone, Mm -hmm. apart from affirmations, what else did you do to shift from I'm not safe alone to what did you shift that belief to so that it would serve you? Well, so the moment I uncovered it and knew that that little girl was in there like flipping out about that she wasn't safe alone, I'd had PTSD from a car accident. And the moment we uncovered it, My PTSD was gone and so was my need to be with a man actually is what it was. The neediness of having to get back into a relationship was literally gone. And I had been with a man since I was 13 years old, not the same man, but always a man, always, always, always. I was a serial long-term relationship person. And when I uncovered that belief, I didn't date for a full year. Only once in my whole life have I not dated for a full year. And it was that year. And I just, I was fine. And I was working on myself. I was able to just know my new belief was I am safe alone. I'm perfectly safe alone. Now that doesn't mean that I didn't end up back in a relationship. I am in a relationship and I have been for the last five years, but I didn't need it. Now I come to it as a totally whole human being, where I used to feel I was only whole because I was half of a whole. Hmm. Now I know I'm whole on my own and I'm happy to be in a relationship, but that relationship is like the cherry on top. It's not something I must have, which makes a much better partner, actually. I fully agree with that relationships magnify our happiness. They shouldn't be the only reason that we're happy. Interdependency is so healthy. I actually would love to have you back on this podcast to talk about relationships in a different episode. So I won't delve too much into the relationship aspect for today, but I do want to hone in on how you shifted it to, I am perfectly safe alone. What are some tools that you use to challenge your shadow belief of I'm not safe alone? Well, in that particular one, I just owned it the moment I uncovered it. It was like an exorcism. And I'm not kidding. Like just knowing that that wounded child had that belief. Let's say you were my client and this was our session and I took you through an internal process. And at the end of this process, this is what you came out with, right? So That's what happens. My clients have these amazing aha moments when they uncover a belief that they weren't aware of. Now they've uncovered it. So the first thing they do is they replace it with a new empowering belief 
And then I'll say to them, okay, so what do you think you could do this week to reinforce it? What's one thing you could do to prove to yourself that you are safe alone? Maybe you'll go out to dinner and sit at a bar by yourself. Maybe you'll book a trip by yourself. You know, what can you do that's an actionable step that will actually help you ingrain that into your mind? Affirmations is one, doing tapping, which is, you know, tapping. I don't know. Are you familiar with tapping? Yes, from trauma counseling. Could you please elaborate what it is for us? There are nine meridians in your body that actually stimulate energy. And so a tapping script, let's say we do a couple of sessions and I hear all the disempowering negative beliefs that they have about themselves. I put it into a tapping script for them. The premise of tapping is that you're moving the negative energy. As you're saying all these negative beliefs you have about yourself, you're tapping all these meridians and you're moving the energy. You're letting those negative thoughts flow through your body and out. You'll say something like, even though I don't feel safe alone and I've never been alone and I'm unhappy when I'm alone, I truly love and accept myself. And then you just go through and whatever you're saying, all the negative thoughts you have about yourself, you end with, but I truly love and accept myself and I'm worthy of love and I'm worthy of health and I'm worthy of safety. And I'm, you know, you start to change it to positive things, but really what you've been doing is you're, you're working the negative thoughts through your body and out. Another thing you can do is etching, which is another really cool form of an, of working with an affirmation. And what you do is you close your eyes and you watch yourself write the affirmation like into your third eye or your eyes are open and it's a blue sky day and you're writing, you're watching yourself write the words into the sky or into the sand or onto the grass. Like I am safe, just like that. I am safe. I am lovable. I am worthy. I am enough. Any of those kinds of affirmations. And you do it like 10 times in a row. And what you're really doing is you're creating a new neural pathway of that positive affirmation. You're basically etching it into your brain. That's why it's called etching. Neuroplasticity is a thing. Our brains are flexible. We can adapt. We can reprogram. I want to hone in on this tangible tool you just gave us, and that's to take actionable steps. Steps that allow us to collect data that prove that, yes, our new belief is true. Yes, I am safe alone. Yes, I am lovable. Yes, I am worthy. Little by little, step by step, chunk it down to small actionable steps. And then also, listen, I've been doing this for 10 years and I still... I don't have that belief. Like it's really true. That belief never comes back. But like I have a shadow belief that love and life means struggling with my weight because I grew up in a household. I was the youngest of three girls and a mother who was always on a diet. So I literally grew up believing that I was always going to struggle with my weight. And I do. Most of it's in my head. I mean, I probably vary between a size two and a size four. It's not like I am ever heavy, but in my mind, I am my whole life. I've been struggling, you know, up and down those three or five pounds. It's because I have this belief that I'm going to struggle with my weight. So even though I'm aware of it and I've uncovered it, it can come back. 
it's like an onion that you peel away. So you have to keep peeling away and peeling away and peeling away. Not always a one and done. I really appreciate that you just said that because it's true. It's not a one and done. And to have those expectations, I think can be detrimental and heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. That's not even words, not even English. It can be disheartening. I work with a few coaches that we've been talking about the same friggin' shadow beliefs for 10 years. And we know each other so well. I know what she's going to say before she even says it. But you get to it quicker and you make changes quicker and you never go all the way back down the rabbit hole. And when you start to go down, you catch yourself. So I just want people to know that the only way to get unstuck is to actually uncover these beliefs so that you can move forward. You always have to be on the radar. You always have to be alert because when you get back on autopilot, they'll creep back in. They're so rooted in our subconscious. So it does take active effort to think new empowering beliefs. If we find ourselves progressing and then we find that we fall or that we have days that are hard or that we are being limited in our thinking, I think it is important to temper expectations and realize that that is part of the process. That's part of the journey that we're not going to be perfect immediately. And it's not going to be, we're not always going to be a hundred percent consistent in empowering thoughts. I don't think we'll ever achieve that level of perfection. Never, never. I have some questions from people that I found really interesting and they're very specific. And so I wanted us to answer them. Okay. One is, I hate to admit this, but I don't believe I'm worthy of love. How can I change that? Okay. So that's a big one. And a lot of people have it. And a lot of women have it because they've been sexually abused as a child, whether they're even aware of it, they're not always aware of it. A lot of my clients who have been sexually abused, somehow in their little tiny minds as young children, they turn it around that they're bad, something's wrong with them, that that happened to them. And so that they don't believe they're worthy of love. My first suggestion is that if you actually believe that you do get yourself a shadow coach to work with you because everybody is worthy of love. Everything is entwined in how worthy you feel. Like if you don't think you're worthy, your net worth goes down because you don't ask for what you need. You don't put yourself out there. It's so entwined in everything else you do. If you feel unworthy, if you feel unworthy of love, then if you do date, you're bottom feeding because you don't really think you're worthy of love. So you only go after like the worst men who then do treat you badly or leave you or don't love you. And then your ego gets to say, see, look, I told myself I wasn't worthy of love. So it's really a very disempowering belief that needs to be reframed. Everybody is worthy of love. You get what you think about. So if you think you're unworthy, that's all you're going to attract. You're going to attract more and more of that because our ego fights for our limitations and wants to be right. Yes, we create our reality through our beliefs, through the way that we think, through our language. What would you say to someone who doesn't feel worthy of love? What steps can they take to reframe that belief? It really is helpful if you can go back in time and see how that developed. Because if you can go back in time and see how it developed, then as an adult, you can also recognize, oh, yes, I can see how that happened. 
but that you know that like a little three-year-old or a five-year-old or because your siblings did this or your father did this. Like if you start to see what happened around it that made you believe that, you can see that it's no longer true. You know, you made that belief because you were a child who was in an unhealthy, you know, family setting or kids did something to you or whatever happened. If you can start to see it, then you can, again, take it out of the unconscious level that it's at, bring it to your conscious level. And as an adult, see that that no longer serves you. It's not true. And it's actually costing you love and happiness. It's wild that these beliefs are created and formed in moments, just simple moments, and then they're stuck in our subconscious. If you do believe that you're not worthy of love, what tool can you give to people or what words of affirmation? I am worthy of love. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm worthy of love. Get a tapping script, start etching. Put yourself back online. Like I I have one of my very favorite clients. I've been working with her for about a year and a half, which is a really long time. With coaching, you really, it's not like therapy. You just don't usually keep clients that long. But she has really, she has a lot of sabotaging beliefs and disempowering beliefs. And she's needed a lot of work to get to a place where she felt worthy of love. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you want to attract a good relationship or an equal partner, you have to first become that partner. So for you to be worthy of love, you have to start with self-love. You have to love yourself and become the partner you want to attract so that that partner is going to mirror that love back to you. Everything starts with self-love. Start staying in alignment with the things that you tell yourself, trust yourself, set small goals for yourself, do not let yourself down, stick to them, start to get more self-confidence, which will then become more self-love and more self-worth, and then go out there and attract a partner that is worthy Stop bottom feeding, go for an equal partner that treats you well, because you now have a new belief that you are lovable and worthy of love. Stop bottom feeding. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So before you mentioned eating dinner alone to prove that you're safe alone, to reinforce that new empowering belief, Mm -hmm. what actionable steps can we take? to prove that we are worthy of love? Like what would be something that you would recommend to be like, this proves that I am worthy of love. This is evidence that I am worthy. Yeah, keeping your word to yourself, setting healthy boundaries, asking for what you're worth, asking for what you need, telling somebody what you're no longer available for, saying no when you want to say no instead of always saying yes. Stop people pleasing. Make yourself a priority. It all, it's all inner work. It starts with you. And when you start to think about yourself differently and show up differently and be accountable and in alignment to where you want to go in your own goals and visions, that's going to create your own self-worth. And therefore, you will be worthy of love. I'm loving this conversation. This is fascinating stuff for me. Thank you. Gracias. Grazie, grazie danke. You're welcome. (laughs) Another question that we got was, 
Sometimes I feel so overwhelmed by my work that it makes me feel dumb and it makes me want to quit. What do I do? I would say that being in overwhelm is one of the major signposts that your boundaries are being crossed. Look and see where your boundaries are being crossed. Are you being asked to work way more hours than you can? That's actually healthy for you. Would you be able to say to your boss, I need to be home by seven o'clock to be with my family. That has to be my priority. Like, are you able to set healthy boundaries? Are you being asked to do things that are not really your job and they really should go to somebody else? Do you need to learn how to delegate? A lot of times, but most of the time when you're in overwhelm, you have no, you don't have good self-care habits which again is a a sign of leaky boundaries. You're not taking care of yourself. You're a pushover. You're a people pleaser. You're a conflict avoider. If any of those things sound like you, you need to learn how to set healthier boundaries. Asking for what you want in a way that doesn't alarm the other person is the way to get your boundaries met. So you don't go to somebody and say, you're making me do this and I can't do this and da, 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 da. You say, I feel really overwhelmed when I have to stay at work till eight o'clock at night. Would you be willing to not give me any new work after four o'clock in the afternoon so that I can walk out the door at six o'clock and have dinner with my family? Now you made that about you. I feel, I feel, let's say it's a relationship. I feel angry when you show up 30 minutes late every time we have a date? Would you be willing to call me an hour before if you're going to be late so that I'm not, I don't get ready for nothing. I don't rush to get ready for nothing. That's you asking for what you need, but you're making it about you. That makes sense. That makes so much sense. That's so clear. And that's so concise. Yeah. So the scripts are, I feel X when you do Y. Would you be willing to do Z? When you set a boundary with somebody, you can only ask them to do it. If they don't do it, you have to have a plan B. Well, in order to honor and respect myself, if you give me work after five o'clock at night, I'm going to do it the next morning. You have to have a plan B because if you set a boundary and they don't keep it and then you just go, oh, see, I knew they wouldn't keep it. Well, you're crossing your own boundary. It's yours to make. It's yours to keep. Remember that formula she gave us. If you say, I want X and I'm experiencing Y, if X and Y are not the same things, then you likely have a shadow belief and an unconscious commitment to that belief. Join us for part two of this conversation. Nancy's info will be linked in the show notes. Subscribe, share with a friend, and join our community on Instagram under at empower.create.encourage. There are so many things I want to share with you. Remember, you can create the life, the love, the reality, and the world that you want. I believe in you. Oh, thank you.